0: Man, I know it was good worship because I had to straighten my shirt all up when I was done. You know what I'm saying? I was clapping and whoo! That was a good time right there, wasn't it? Yeah. Man. So I don't feel like I have to preach, but I'm going to preach. You know what I'm saying? Because I want to preach. So is that okay that we preach this morning because we're going to get in the Word? It's going to be some good, good stuff this morning. And I'm not saying that because I'm the one saying that. I'm saying that because what we're going to read this morning, what we'll talk about this morning, is directly from God and His Word, and it's going to be huge for your life. So, here's what I'm finding out as we start diving into today. There, there are some people, and it may be you, and I'm not thinking about you necessarily, but it may be you. But there are people that are stuck, okay? Whatever that may mean, they're stuck. In this whole thing of following Jesus. And as I am talking more and more and learning more and more and God's teaching me more and more, I've been stuck too, and so I'm learning from my experience. But I'm realizing that there's one common denominator for people who are stuck, whatever that means, whatever it looks like, we're just going to use the word stuck, in their following of Jesus. And it comes down to what we're going to talk about today. And it, it all has to do with knowing Okay, knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G, knowing. And there's a couple of big things around that knowing that I've found to be pretty common. One is when someone's stuck in this whole thing of following Jesus, one of the big reasons maybe is that they are confused. And here's what I mean by confused. Either they have been... Thinking things to be true that are not true, and therefore they're confused. Maybe they have been taught things or shown things that are not true, and therefore they are confused. And or maybe they've just spent a lot of time, you know, trying to figure it out on their own. Maybe even reading scripture, and it's all just kind of gotten fuzzy and got kind of cloudy, and it's just got confused. And if we're confused, we don't know which way to go. And so if you're confused, you're definitely going to be stuck in following Jesus. Because if it's cloudy, you can't see him and you don't know where to go. And so if you're confused, I don't want you to be confused anymore. And the other huge reason that may be true for you as to why you're stuck, if you're stuck in this whole thing of following Jesus, is that you just don't know Christ. And I say that with like compassion, humility. Like, if you don't know Christ, if you have not encountered him by a real faith, knowing that he is Lord and allowing him to enter into your life, I guarantee you're stuck, okay? So today, if God can clear up some of that confusion for us, that's what I'm praying towards, maybe for you, you need to realize very clearly that you just flat out don't know Christ, and you need to, and that's our hope, and that is our prayer for you. Well, Last week as we began this series in the book of First John called Love Illuminated, we gave a big idea, and we're going to weave it through. I may give it every week. Um, I want to put it on the screen for you, and, and that is this, because it's so massive, it's so true, it's so good. God does not love if or because but anyway. Uh, If you were here last week, I thought I'd get a little bit more of a grunt on that, because I explained that last week, and it was rich, and it was good, and y'all was looking at me, right? God does not love if or because, but anyway, if you were here last week, and that made sense to you, give me a little something. Yeah, come on. Okay, all right, all right, okay, okay. So here's what we're saying. God doesn't love you if you go to church. He loves you anyway. God doesn't love you if you miss church. God loves you anyway. God doesn't love you because you got baptized. God loves you anyway. God doesn't love you because you blew it or because you didn't do something bad. God loves you anyway. Such a massive, huge truth for us to get and know. If you're into tattoos, maybe on your forehead backwards in front of the mirror every morning, that might help you. Like, it's one of those. Like, I mean, I'm serious. Like, God does not love if or because, but anyway. So, today, as we get into 1 John and this love illuminated. Um, And and knowing today, I want to give you four things are going to be in your notes You can write them in they're going to be on the screen going I kind of give you on the front end they're going to flow out as we continue to talk this morning And that is if you if you know Christ Okay, if you have a relationship with him if you know him by faith Here's some things that are going to be true for us. Here's what our aim is going to be Okay, our aim if we know Christ Is to not sin Oh, wait a minute, what? <laughs> that's a pretty big target, right? We're going to flesh that out. That's our aim. That's our goal. That's our, that's our desire, okay? But here's our reality, and we're going to see this in scriptures. well. Our reality is we do sin. Y'all are really quiet like the first service. Y'all are nervous, I guess. Like if I say amen, I might agree with something I hadn't thought it through yet. I don't know about you, but I'm going to say that's my reality. I blow it quite often, okay? Here's our calling. Our calling is following Jesus, and you may have heard that before, but I'm here to tell you, even if you've heard it before, you need to let that wash over you fresh and new, that Jesus invites us to follow him. Wow. Jesus, son of God, inviting us to follow him step by step through our life. And then here's our hope, Jesus. And if you can't respond on that one, I'm getting really, really worried right now. Our hope is Jesus, right? Okay. It's it's he's my hope. He's your hope. He's our neighbor's hope. He's people on the other side of the world. He's their hope, too. Our hope is Jesus. All right, let's get into first John chapter two and verse number one um, If you need a Bible, you can find one in the seat underneath right in front of you right there And if you're in that Bible, you can find us on page 1031 first 1 John chapter two beginning in verse number one begins by saying my dear children So I want to pause here for just a moment and give you a little bit of background. We've got a guy named John writing this letter to believers. John at this point is probably in his 90s. So I don't know about you, but if somebody in their 90s wants to call the rest of us children, it's probably okay, right? Um, So he's viewing us. He's viewing believers as his children and even as his grandchildren. So like a good father, or maybe I'll go maybe to a little more precious place, like a good grandfather. He is talking to me and he's talking to you. He's like, I've lived a really long life. I've learned some things. I've had some experiences. And I want you to get what I've got. I want to give you, I want to fast forward your process. I want to give you what I've got now. So he says, my dear children, and then he goes on. And um, he makes this incredible statement here in verse number two. He says, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. Wait a minute. <laughs> all right, Grandpa. <laughs> you, you're telling me that you're telling me all this so that I won't sin. Wow. What, what a thing to uh, push us into or to talk to us about. If we know, listen to me, if we know Christ, our aim, our target, our ultimate desire in this thing called life is to not sin. That's what Jesus does in you. He changes our desires. He changes our aim. He changes our target. Well, if you grew up playing basketball like I did, I never took a shot trying to miss it, okay? I was always trying to what? Make it. If you grew up playing baseball, how many times did you get up to bat and think, man, today I want to miss every pitch that comes by? No, your aim, your target, your desire is to hit it, okay? What happens if you miss the shot? You quit basketball, you don't do it ever again, right? You're done. No, you're like, give me the ball, man. Back in my day, give me the pill. We said the pill a lot. That was kind of our lingo statement just a little bit. Might have held my tongue out too while I shot, you know what I'm saying? If you missed the pitch, you got back in there. There are people today making millions of dollars shooting shots, missing most of them. They're called professional basketball players. There are people today making millions of dollars That miss way more pitches than they hit. They're called professional baseball players. Okay? Their aim, their target is to hit it, to make it. But when they don't, they get back in there. They keep going, they keep shooting, they keep swinging, they keep aiming. And for us, the key, listen to me, the key is to keep following. It's to keep following. Now, I've got to tell you this about our guy named John who's, again, kind of like this grandfather speaking to us. It's so important to catch this. He's in his 90s. He's been following Jesus at this point for somewhere around 70 years. Somewhere around 70 years. But let me, let me take you back just a little bit to when John was in his 20s, and he had a brother, and he and his brother had a nickname. And this nickname that he and his brother had, they were called the Sons of Thunder. All right? The sons of thunder. Let me tell you a little bit of a story as to why they have that name when they were young. So they're hanging out with Jesus, right? I mean, they're one of his followers. They're one of his disciples. They're rolling into town, the Samaritan town with Jesus. And in their minds, like... You know, kind of like me, when I say something really good in preaching, I think people ought to like, you know, say amen or clap or something. I'm like, come on. Well, when Jesus rolled in town, which is a whole nother level, they kind of thought people ought to have a big fanfare, like, this is Jesus, like, everybody welcome into town. Well, they got to town, and people were like, ah, eh, whatever. So, John and his brother, they had a little issue. It's called anger. So, they go to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, man, these people did not give you the welcome they deserve, and here's what John says. Lord, if you want us to, we will call down fire from heaven and destroy them. Luke chapter 9, I'm not making it up. But that's not what we're hearing from John right now, are we? We're hearing a guy that has been changed, transformed. We're hearing a guy that's talking to people like you and I, who got our issues too and all messed up, and he should be very impatient with us. And he says, dear children, so if there's hope for God to change one of the sons of thunder to looking more like the son of God, there's a great chance <laughs> that he can change me and he can change you too. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have hope. You have hope and his name is Jesus. So on Tuesday mornings, there's a crew that rolls in here um, uh, somewhere mid-morning. What time is it, Keaton, at this crew? 10.30? Is that our time? Is that our standard time? 11? What time is it? That, 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 yeah, break, huh? 10, 10 o'clock on the money break time is going to happen and little Debbie's are involved we call this certain crew that shows up here on Tuesday morning the carpenter crew the carpenter crew is way on up in life they've all spent their years uh, working in whatever job they've retired they got time on their hands so they show up here on Tuesday mornings and they serve and they change light bulbs and do all kinds of things to help our church continue to function as far as a facility I love hanging out with that crew on Tuesday morning The years of marriage they have, just unbelievable. The years of work they have behind them, their experiences, their stories, absolutely. Let me give you three words that I think describe that group of men. Sweet, kind, and patient. Wait a minute, I thought we were talking about men. I am. I, I didn't say they didn't have a lot of other things about them, but three words that describe that group for me are sweet, kind, and patient. And I would suggest to you, That if you were to meet somebody who knew them back in their teens and 20s, they would probably not give them the words. Sweet, kind, and patient. But much like John, they've just been following Jesus. And guess what has happened? God has changed them from the inside out. And as you and I continue like John to follow Jesus, he changes us. Look at verse number one again. Again, it says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. It goes on to say this, but... If anyone does sin, everybody else want to breathe a little sigh of relief right there? Whew. Man, I, th- I thought I had to like not sin ever again to do this thing. But if anyone does sin, here's what it says. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. Everybody say that word advocate, advocate. We have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He, the advocate, is Jesus Christ, the one who... Who is truly righteous. I don't know if you know what this word advocate means, but it's massive. You need to understand it as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. It is huge, it is colossal in what our understanding is of who he is and our relationship with him. Let me give you the definition from the dictionary of the word advocate and then apply that to everything we're talking about today. An advocate is a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy or person. I'm going to read that again. A person who publicly supports or recommends a cause, a policy, or a person. The Word of God here says that if you sin, you have an advocate and his name is Jesus and he is going to stand up for you publicly. In this instance, he's going to stand up for you in heaven before the Father. Did you hear what's being said right there? That's massive and huge. He is going on with advocate, our champion, our upholder. When everybody else is pushing you down, it says that God, through Jesus, is holding you up. He is your supporter. So when everybody else tells you you can't make it, he's saying you can. He is your backer. So when everybody else backs off, he is backing you. He is your promoter. He is your propeller. He pushes you forward again and again and again and again in the presence of God the Father. This is so, so good. So if you sin, our Savior is our advocate and he goes before the Father and reminds the Father who we are. And he goes before the Father and he says, this one's with me. This one's in. This one is one of our children. This one right here is. this is one of the untouchables. They are with us because I am their Lord. I am their Savior, and today I am their advocate. And Father, don't kill them. Don't destroy them. Don't take them out because I've already taken that wrath upon me. I'm his advocate today. I'm the one standing here to remind you that Kyle belongs to you. And as much as the Father needs to hear that, oh, so much more do we need to hear that today, that our advocate. His name is Jesus, and he is for us, and the reason why we get to go before the Father is because of Jesus. He is our advocate. He belongs to the Father, and you belong to Jesus, therefore we belong. It's through Jesus and through Jesus alone. But some of you are spending all of your time not listening to your advocate, but you've been listening to your adversary, the devil. That's who you're listening to. You're not hearing what's being declared here in 1 John as much as you are hearing what the enemy is saying to you and about you. And you are believing potentially the one who wants to completely destroy you and who is one day he, the adversary, the devil, going to be destroyed And you are not listening to your advocate whose name is Jesus who overcame death, hell, and the grave and is the champion of champions for all time. You need to listen to your advocate, not your adversary. Some of you have been beaten down by your adversary to think that you can't and you won't and and you're stuck and you can't do anything and you need to understand that your adversary, excuse me, your advocate, his name is Jesus and he conquered death, hell and the grave and he is for you and he's presenting you to the Father. He's like, this one belongs to me, this one belongs to me. You need to be reminded that Jesus says that you're his and that is good, good news. Who are you going to listen to? Your adversary that wants to destroy you? Or your advocate who died for you? Listen to Jesus. So what all is Jesus telling the Father? If he's our advocate, what all is he telling him? What all is he telling him? Well, this is huge to get the answer to that because some of us in this room were haunted by our sin. We're haunted by our sin. Like, There are things that we did back in high school or college or in a previous marriage and we are haunted by it. Haunted by it to the point that you don't even know if you're worthy to show up to church or not. Listen to what it says in verse number 2. He, meaning Jesus himself, is the sacrifice that atones. Everybody say that word atones. Atones. For our sins. And not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. If you're not careful, you'll breeze by verse number two and miss the incredible truth that is there. Jesus is making quite the declaration here, reminding us who he is, not only as our advocate, but he's also our atoner. There's another word here. Some of your translations may have it, and it's a beautiful word, Uh, atone, and uh, this other word, propitiation, work hand in hand. They're both beautiful, beautiful words. Here's what we mean by atonement. Here's what we mean by him being our propitiation. It means that he paid the penalty for us. It means that he paid a price for us. It means that he made amends. It means that God put all the wrath that should have come on me and you for our sin and he put it on Jesus. He is our atonement. So now you've got the atoner going before the Father as your advocate. So he's not just some guy that picked you up and said, you know what, I like this guy and I think I'll represent him. We're talking about the one who came and died for all of your sin and came back from the dead. That one is going as the atoner, as your advocate before the Father. How do you get into heaven? Through the advocate and through the atoner whose name is Jesus. Are we starting to grasp that this whole thing happens because of Jesus and not because of us? Like, you don't get right with God. You don't, get a, you don't get at the ear of God. You don't get into the presence of God because of anything that you have or have not done. It only happens through Jesus. It only happens through Jesus. Everything that happened to Jesus' the cross, it should have happened to me. Same can be true for you to say. Everything that happened to Jesus and his suffering... It should have happened to me. Um, I didn't put this on the screen, but you ought to write it down. And if you've got a big forehead, put that first one up there and then put the second one up here. Here it is. God is pleased with you because of Jesus. Listen, if you're haunted because of your sin and things that you have done, And you're wondering, can I ever be made right with God? Will God ever like me? Will He ever let me in? Listen to me God is pleased with you because of Jesus. All God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. God is pleased with you because of Jesus and I I don't know what to say right here it was quiet at nine o'clock it's quiet right now I don't know if you all are like like just trying to process this and that's okay and I'm totally good with that or if this runs contrary to something that you think or believe or have. have I'm just telling you the scripture makes it clear over and over again God is pleased with you because of Jesus so if you just want to like Just take a moment right there and just wrestle with that. That's good. But I'm telling you, it's true. And when you get it, it will change your life. God is pleased with you because of Jesus. He's the advocate. He's my advocate. He's your advocate. And he is our atoner if we know him. If we know him. Look at verse number three. And we can be sure. That we know Him. Wow. Like some, there's some, there's some, there's some surety there. There's some, there's some confidence there. And we can be sure that we know Him if we obey His commandments. I'll just make this just simple. If you claim to know Jesus and you don't care and have no desire to please Jesus, you probably don't really know Jesus. I'll let that land however it needs to. Verse number four. If someone claims, I know God, but that person doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. Let me pause here for just a moment. We read earlier that our aim as followers of Jesus, verse number one, is to not sin. He goes on to say, but if you do sin, you have an advocate. So we're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about what is my desire to do with my life? What am I desiring to do with my days? Am I going to mess up? Am I going to sin? Yes, I am. But my desire is to please God. If your desire is not to please God, it's very likely that you don't really know God. You may say that you know God, but you don't know God. Verse 5. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. So I don't obey To get God's favor, I obey because I'm in God's favor. And if I'm not obeying because I'm in God's favor, it makes me ask the question, am I in God's favor? And when I say God's favor, I'm talking about God giving us his salvation through Jesus. That's God's favor. If he's put that upon me, well, now I'm living in obedience as a result of that, not for that. Verse 6. Those who say they live in God... So you you see the the lips are moving here. Those who say they live in God should, should live their lives as Jesus did. So if I say I believe in Jesus, what should I do? I should live like who? Jesus. Wow. This is my calling to follow Jesus. My aim don't sin. My reality, I do sin. When I do sin, I have an advocate. His name is Jesus. He goes before the Father. He reminds the Father that my sin has been paid for. I can exercise 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 that we unpacked last week, and I can confess my sin. He's faithful and just to forgive me, and I move on, and I do the things that He wants me to do. I feel bad because of my sin. I receive His forgiveness, and I move on. I'm not haunted by it. I'm forgiven of it, and I move on, and I I have this desire to please God and when I don't please God his spirit makes it apparent to me that I don't and I get right with him if that's not going on in your life you have to ask yourself your question do I know him so again verse 6 those who say they live should live I want to compare two types of people here for you one one is a lip service type person okay Somebody that says they believe in God, and then let's talk about a lifestyle person. Lifestyle meaning someone who just every day does their best to get up and live like and look like Jesus through the power of Jesus. Um, Lip service uh, would say things like, oh yeah, I go to church. Lip service would say things like, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Uh, Just, you know, wanting people to, 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 to believe about me, that I believe in Jesus, but my life's not really revealing it. So what I'm going to do right now is um, show you how bad that I draw and try to help you maybe comprehend this if you will uh, be so nice to not make fun of my drawings, all right? Uh, we're going to start up here. We're going to give a big heart. We're going to put the word Father. And just to be clear, we're going to put the word God, the name God. And so this heart represents who the Father is, who God is. Last week we talked about this, that God is God is love, okay? And so God is our Father, and He has all this love, and He wants us to have this love, and so He sends it to us, okay? He sends it to us. And God sends us His love very specifically. He doesn't just look down and say, hey, people, I love you. He sends His love for us, Okay? He sent his one and only son, and his name is? Okay. You guys, you're going to know most of this, but there's going to be a few things in this. You're going to be like, oh, it's going to be really, really good, okay? So I'm going to draw Jesus. I don't know about you, but I just kind of pictured Jesus having curly hair. I don't know. Um, I also think that Jesus would have a big smile just because there's joy in his heart, and Jesus definitely, definitely, definitely had a rocking beard, right? Like he had a just an awesome beard. And so, uh, here we have Jesus, and through Jesus, we have the love of God come down for us. Um, This is another reason why God probably told us to never make any graven images, because it would turn out really bad, right? God the Father sent to us Jesus, okay? Over here, we're going to write the name Miss Lifestyle, okay, Miss Lifestyle, meaning this young lady, she just is a follower of Jesus, okay, and so here she is, she has curly hair too, just because curly hair is easier to draw, and it's really humid, so it's going crazy, right, so you got that going on, and I just picture Miss um, Lifestyle having a, a giant smile too, uh, not because everything's rosy and everything's perfect, but she, she has the joy of Jesus in her, her life, we're gonna give her a nice little dress here, blue, it's kind of her color, right, All right, she's gonna, so anyway, and so there she is, and um, in her heart, okay, Uh, you probably can't see that, but I'm writing the name love, the word love there. So how does she have this joy in her? How does she have this love in her? Well, Jesus came and then he reached out to her, right? And then she chose by faith to reach out to him. And so he Gives her grace, she responds in faith, and she experiences his love. And her love, his love changes her heart, changes her attitude, changes everything about her life. And now, as a result of all that love, she reaches out to others and she shares that love with other people. And how does it look that she shares this love with other people? Well, it, it looks like um, her loving because she's loved, it looks like her forgiving because she's forgiven. It looks like her being quick to say uh, she's sorry when she's wrong, when she does something that offends someone else because she values relationship and she wants relationships to be right. And Jesus taught her how to have right relationships and right relationships happen through forgiveness. And so she's quick to ask for it when she needs it. And so that's her. And so we have Miss Lifestyle, okay? Over here we have Mr. Lip Service, okay? And so we got Mr. Lipsovers over here, and we'll, we'll give him a, a head there, and I don't know, maybe kind of a, a grimace, I don't know, and maybe a hat kind of backwards, maybe, just because, you know, he's kind of rebellious, he kind of does his own thing, all right, he's kind of doing his thing there, and so there he is, and I don't know if I can make this happen, but what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to draw this guy, um, and he is, maybe with the feet you can help see that, he's just, he's not facing Jesus, He's not going towards Jesus. He's literally, he's going away from Jesus. The trajectory of his life is away from Jesus. Now, maybe he doesn't wear his hat backwards in public. Maybe he shows up in a suit and tie looking really good. Oh, yeah, I go to church, and oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But he is quick not to forgive, no heart being extended here. I thought about doing other things, but we'll just give him a fist there. Um He is quick to just put a fist out towards you. In other words, if you do him wrong, he's not going to forgive you. He's going to be quick to make you pay for it. Quick to make you pay for it. Man, you got me, I'm getting you. He doesn't love, he's going to respond with grumpiness and bad attitude and all kinds of other stuff towards people. He's going to be quick to judge. And talk about other people and their faults and their sin. Why? Because he's Mr. Lip Service and he's really good about it. And if I'm talking about everybody else and all the junk that they're doing, nobody would be looking at me. Right? All right. I don't know if you're really quiet because somebody sitting next to you is guilty of this. Or if you've been guilty in the past of this. It's an easy way to roll, though. You want to make yourself look good make everybody else look bad. It works out great. Does it? That's what Mr. Lip Service does. Again... Maybe he says, Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah, I go to church. But, like, just no connection. Like, his trajectory is going the other way. Loves to stir people up, loves to get people riled up at each other, and then walk away and act like he didn't have anything to do with it, all right? So, he is not forgiving people. Why? Because he hasn't been forgiven. He's not loving people. Why? Because he hasn't been loved. He doesn't know how to do it. And so he's trying to figure out how to cope in life, and he's one of these guys that like there's enough value of God there for him that he wants people to think that he values God and believes in God, so lip service, but he doesn't know how to interact in relationships and with other human beings in a way that Jesus would because he's actually headed in a different direction. And over here you've got Miss Lifestyle, who's not better than him. She's not a better person than him. She's just been changed by Jesus. Okay? She's just been changed by Jesus. Who knows what this looked like before she met Jesus, right? In fact, before she met Jesus, her life may have actually looked just absolutely atrocious, more so than Mr. Lip Service before she met Jesus. But she met Jesus, and she's been forgiven now, so she forgives people. She's been loved now, so she loves people. She's quick to forgive. She's quick to ask for forgiveness because that's what she's experienced with Jesus. She is quick to hang out with her big brother, Jesus, because she wants that fellowship. She's quick to hang out with her brothers and sisters in Christ because she needs that fellowship. And she interacts with them in this grace that we've spoken of. So what happens for Mr. Lip Service? I mean, what does he do? Just like unclench his fist and start smiling, turn his hat around the other way and everything's good? That didn't really help anything. Okay? What has to happen is what Jesus longs to have happen and what Jesus is inviting to have happen and what Jesus is encouraging to happen, and Jesus is extending his hand in grace towards Mr. Lip Service, and the way this thing radically shifts is when Mr. Lip Service chooses in faith to respond to the grace of Jesus and that love that has in Jesus comes into him, and now he becomes a loved person, a forgiven person, a different person, one who is going to have to continue to change, but his trajectory changes towards Jesus and following him. Why is John, this old man, writing to dear children and talking about all this kind of stuff? Because through God's grace, John has been following Jesus over and over and over again, day after day after day after day. So what do I need to do? If things need to shift, I need to take Jesus up on his invitation and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to follow you. I, I can't do this thing on my own. I'm just a bunch of this. Look at verse number 7. Strong words. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one you've heard from the very beginning. Here it is, the old commandment to love one another. We've all heard that. We should love one another. It's the same message you heard before. Verse 8. Yet it's also new. So it's old and new. How is it new? Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. So the old commandment was God saying to me, God saying to you, love everybody. The new commandment is Jesus coming here and doing it. I'm not just going to tell you to do it. I'm going to show you how to do it. So the only way that I can really figure out how to love people is not for God's voice just to get louder. Parenting, how does that work? Woo. I have to show them. Jesus has to show me. Go on, verse number 8. Yet It's also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living it. And I pray that will be true for us, that we're living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. This gets really intense here. If anyone claims I'm living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. I will say it for you. Ouch. Verse 10. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Remember Mr. Lifestyle? Let's trip everybody up. Verse 11. But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go. They're confused. They don't know the way to go. Having been blinded by the darkness. Look back at verse number six. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So I want to remind you really quick of where we all started and give you a couple questions and wrap this whole thing up as we've talked about our advocate. We've talked about our atoner. Wow. If we know Christ, our aim to not sin. That's just It doesn't mean we don't have issues and desires. It doesn't mean we don't fall. It doesn't mean we don't stumble into sin. It doesn't mean we don't have temptation anymore. It doesn't mean we don't have anything in us wanting to do anything. But now there's a new direction for us. We're headed towards Jesus. I just don't want to live that way anymore. And when I do, I'm going to redirect. My aim is to not sin. Our reality is we do sin. And when we do, we confess it. We move on because of our atonement and because of our advocate. Our calling is to follow Jesus. If you think that you're going to get better because you're going to shift your focus from sin to, I don't know, whatever. Like, I'm just going to not sin anymore. I'm going to not sin anymore. I'm going to not sin anymore. It's not going to work. The only way it can happen is shifting everything toward Jesus who's going to lead you in the way that you need to go. And our hope, our hope, our hope is Jesus. If you're not a believer, your hope is Jesus. If you're a believer, your hope is Jesus. So two questions. Do you know Jesus? And again, when I say know Jesus, oh yeah, I know Jesus. No, like, have you come to terms with who he is, son of God? Have you come to terms with what he's done for you in the death of the cross and the resurrection from the grave? And how that applies to you because of your sin And you've said, this is who I am without you. I am a sinner. I need you, the Savior, and I need you to come and forgive me. I need you to come to be my Lord. I need you to come and be my master. I need you to come into my life. Do you know Jesus? If you don't, you can know him today. He'll change your life forever. And here's the next question, and this one one applies to everybody in the room. Will you walk with Jesus? Will you walk with Jesus? Not just say you're walking with Jesus, but like walk with Jesus and let him do the work in you that he did in John and he did in so many other believers of long ago and how he's working in all of our lives today. Well, you just say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus. I'm going to let his love come into me and I'm going to let his love flow out of me. I'm going to stumble along the way, but I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep following Jesus. And the reason why I know I can keep following Jesus is because he's my advocate. He is for me. You ever had somebody that's for you? Like, I mean, really for you, all right? Think back, like, you know, when you were young and you played that sport and your mom or your aunt or whoever, just every time you got up, just, oh, my goodness, there he is. Oh, there he is, right? Right? You've had one of those people, right? And you just thought, man, I can hit it over the fence right now, right? Okay? Maybe you've never had that person. I'm telling you, do in Jesus. He is for you. He is for you. Loves you so much he died for you. I want you to walk with him. Let's pray.